1: If you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. Welcome to the Inner Life on Relevant Radio.
0: Hello and welcome to this Inner Life for a Thursday. Hope you're having a wonderful day and... Hope it's been a good Lent for you so far. Now, if you had the opportunity to retire early, would you do it? If you had plenty of money set aside, didn't have to worry about any of your needs, if everything was taken care of, what would you do with the rest of your life? Would you go travel, go see places around the globe? Would you spend the time with your family? What would you end up doing if you could have that early retirement? One of my favorite stories about an early retiree is a man from northern Wisconsin named Leo And Leo, he grew up in this big Catholic family. He was number 13 of 16 children. And after high school, he ended up spending some time with a Franciscan community. He ended up uh, visiting a Trappist order. He was trying to discern if he was called to religious life. And he eventually came to the conclusion, nope, that's not for me, not where God's calling me. So he enlisted in the Army. And after he was discharged, he ended up moving back to Wisconsin with his family, went to college, and... Like a good Wisconsinite, he said, I'm going to make cheese. And so he started making cheese. And the company that he was working for, he kind of moved up through the ranks, eventually became the president of the Frigo Cheese Corporation. And he made his millions, and he was able to retire at age 52. Now think about that, at 52 years old, you know, some of you might be beyond that, uh, but if if you're not quite at 52, if you had that opportunity, or looking back on your life, if you had that opportunity to retire at 52, what would you do with the rest of your life at that point? Well, Leo, he decided he wanted to spend the rest of his life helping others, and so he joined the St. Vincent de Paul Society, and he started working with convicts who were out on parole. He would take them to job interviews. He'd help them just get back on their feet. And as he was speaking with the director of one of the uh, halfway houses where these ex-convicts would live, these parolees, uh, they were discussing some of the challenges. And one of the biggest challenges for these ex-convicts would be just simply finding a job and being able to support themselves to the point that they often would have to steal food just to be able to eat at the end of the day. And so Leo said, you know what, I'm going to start a food pantry then. I'm going to see if I can help these people and others in my community uh, just so that they don't have to worry about where their next meal comes from. So he looked around his community and he saw all this food, good food, edible food that was being thrown out and wasted. And so Leo, very well-respected millionaire, he put on coveralls and he started diving into dumpsters behind grocery stores and supermarkets. And as he continued to do this, eventually one store ended up calling the police on him for trespassing. And so he, uh, he, he had the cops called out there. And as they started talking about what he was doing, the owner of the store, once it was explained, said, why didn't you just tell us what was going on? And so they started to set up a system where any of that food that normally would have just been bagged up and thrown in the dumpster, well, it was bagged up and Leo could come by with a truck. And they could take it to the food pantry. And so Leo made similar arrangements with other stores. And soon he had this food pantry. It's named Paul's Pantry. And he was helping hundreds of families in his community. And Leo ended up doing this for 17 years. In fact, The way Leo ended up dying, he died in a traffic accident in 2001 while he was delivering food to a shut-in. He spent his entire life doing that after he retired. And Paul's Pantry actually still operates. Uh, they, They help hundreds and hundreds, I think it's probably thousands and thousands of people in their surrounding area. And they rescue over 5 million pounds of food that would have previously been thrown out. Every single year they rescue over 5 million pounds of food. And so, as we're here in Lent, and we think about those three focuses, the prayer, the fasting, and the almsgiving, well, that almsgiving, as you can guess, is what we're going to look at today here on The Inner Life, and that almsgiving can take on so many different forms. And so, how have you been helping those in need this Lent? And especially with COVID, has it been a challenge with the stay-at-home orders, with the social distancing? Have you come up with any good creative ways to help others this year? When have you had those opportunities to help someone else, and how did it impact your life? This hour, we're going to go ahead and look at the corporal works of mercy, and we're going to do that with one of our regular spiritual directors, Father Ethan Southard. He's a priest in the Archdiocese of Los Angeles and the parish administrator of St. John Eudes Catholic Church in Chatsworth, California. And Father Ethan, welcome back to The Inner Life. It's a delight to be able to speak with you today.
2: Hi, Josh. Uh, thank you so much for having me, and uh, it's great to be with you all today, especially during this, uh, this really special, sacred time of Lent. And I, I just love that story of Leo, uh, hearing how he went uh, dumpster diving, as you said. He just went right into the muck of it all to, uh, to pull out something beautiful. And, uh, and to be able to share that gift with others. right? So that's, that is the, the corporal works of mercy, because that's mercy is who God is.
0: Well, and so, uh, you know, I was reflecting on that, and how a lot of times performing the corporal works of mercy, it can be uncomfortable. I, I, I'd like to get back to that, but first of all, I think it'd be good for us to maybe just go through, what are the corporal works of mercy? So can you, can you list those out for us, Father, and, and give us kind of an, uh, a base starting point?
2: Sure sure well as as the um, the church recognizes just the different areas of um, you know the ways that, that mercy that god uh, he makes himself present to us and and how we're able to participate in his love and by receiving his love and and by um, being able to recognize his presence within each other and I that's really the the heart of corporal works of mercy. And so as, as we look through, we can just see God present in the hungry or the thirsty or the naked or the homeless or the sick or the imprisoned and even the dead, you know, God's presence, his dignity is, is there as well. And so, um, as we're speaking of the corporal works of mercy, these are areas that, that help to, um, call attention or, or call us back, um, and, and in a certain way, all of those different areas that we, those, those seven different areas, call to mind the reality of, of suffering. And, you know, suffering very often could be something that, that we're afraid of and we, we want to run away from. Um, I, I just think of, you know, the disciples on the road to Emmaus. They wanted to run away from the suffering of the cross in Jerusalem and you know Jesus came and and he uh he just wants to remind he wanted to remind them he wants to remind us that that suffering is part of our human condition and that if we actually if our hearts are burning within us the the uh as the scriptures were broken open and those disciples could start to to recognize that you know suffering is a part of the condition but that God is with us through it all if that that love, if that burning heart is there, we can actually turn around and and go back into the suffering. And so those works of mercy, when we see or hear about or encounter the hungry or the thirsty or the naked or the homeless or the sick or the imprisoned or the dead, we could be like Leo and we don't have to run away. We could actually just dive right in and we could... Not be afraid of you know having the police called on us because we our hearts are burning and we're saying I'm I'm going to go into this suffering and and become one with it just like Jesus did the Son of God dove right into the the suffering and and you know the the muck of of this world and so that's those corporal works of mercy you know are opportunities for us you know to to be present and to recognize. God's presence with us.
0: It makes me think of the word compassion, because, you know, when we talk about the passion of Christ, we're talking about his suffering, as you you keep using that word. And the word compassion means to come alongside and share in the suffering of someone else. And so when we practice those corporal works of mercy, when we are uh, feeding the hungry, giving drink to the poor, we're, we're visiting those that are sick or in prison, it's not just simply that we kind of keep them at arm's length, we really enter into the suffering that they have, we participate in that with them. And we're looking towards the cross here. Uh, Once we get to the end of Holy Week, once we get to Good Friday, we'll have that where we also then participate in the suffering of Christ. Um, But that really is where—and this takes me to— the parable of the sheep and the goats that Jesus tells, and I don't know if it's so much a parable, I've always heard that as the way it's described, but it's in the 25th chapter of St. Matthew's Gospel, and where you see Jesus talking about, you know, the, um, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, then he'll separate the nations before him as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, and those on his right he'll say, well done, and those on his left... He says, you know, no, I I never knew you. And there's this back and forth between him and those on his right and those on his left of uh, you, you, you did all these things for me. When did we do this for you, Lord? Well, when you did it to one of the least of my brothers or sisters, you did it for me. And then on the on the the converse side there with the goats, those who say, when didn't we ever do this? When didn't we visit you? You know, well, when you didn't help one of those least of my brothers or sisters, you didn't do it for me. So there, there's a big difference there on the outcome of that as well, you know, where where we find ourselves. A lot of this seems to come back to a heart attitude of being willing to share in that suffering with others.
2: Yeah, and, and I love, you know, uh, Pope Francis comes back again and again to Matthew chapter 25, uh, that's really at the at his heart, and I think it's really the heart of you know where the the church is is being called back to uh, and and reminded um, of that that reality that we're we're all in this together, and that Christ is in it with us. And uh, Josh, right in in Matthew 25, he says, "For I was hungry, I was thirsty, I was." A stranger, I was naked, I was ill, I was in prison. And so he is saying when you when you do that, when you do these works of mercy, he says it's actually an, an opportunity to encounter me and and that's really um, you know he's he's drawing us into that relationship where we're we're actually recognizing that presence of, of God within within each other and if we're we're doing that then it really is if it's it's mercy mercy is who God is mercy is God's name then it then it really does become a work of mercy because we're encountering God in what we're doing and if we're not and this is the this is the danger so that's the beautiful side and then the the caution or the danger for us all you know i it's it's a danger for me um is that a work of mercy could could shift into a work of guilt or a work of obligation or a work of responsibility and it's it's a burden and that's not who God is. God's not a burden. God is love. And so I'm being called and even even now I just I was sharing with a friend uh or a friend was sharing with me Uh, even yesterday, and and just how, you know, we really feel um, that maybe Christ is is wanting to remind all of us that he's not a burden, that that God is not a burden, God is not a responsibility, God is not guilt, he's not an obligation, God is love. And, you know, sometimes um, we could slip into that, we could slip into kind of treating God in that way, and he says, you know, if if you are not absorbing and receiving my love in a real, physical, human way, you know, what, what are you passing on? You're an ambassador of, of me. You're an ambassador of my mercy, of my love. And so that's um, just something that I'm being mindful of this Lent and even, even in this sharing that we have this morning, that um, everything I do, I need to be recognizing God's presence and His dignity. Otherwise, it's... Um, if you're not giving God, this is Mother Teresa, she says, if you're not giving God, you're not giving enough.
0: Hmm. Yeah, well... If you're not it, giving it, you, God, you're not giving enough. And you're not going to go wrong quoting St. Mother Teresa there either. Um, let's talk about how we can live this out, especially in our current situation, in a world, mm-hmm. uh, a society where... We have to keep that social distance. We have so many states that have different stay-at-home orders or, you know, there, there's the mm-hmm. different quarantines that have to be observed right now. So I, I know, at least for me, in my my state where I live, I can't go into a hospital. I can't go visit, even if, you know, uh, it's somebody in my family uh, mm-hmm. Only one parent is allowed to go visit the child or go in with the child. You can't even have both parents there. So how can we kind of live this out, especially with visiting the sick, visiting those in prison? You know, you're not allowed to do that this time. Um, is it where we default to a, a donation? Because sometimes—and every every different apostolate who's doing some of these good works, they need the, that support. They need those donations. But— uh, I'm sure you're going to tell me. Well, of course, we're called to more than just writing a check or, or you know, sending through a donation. God expects us to also be involved with those works personally.
1: Hmm.
2: Yeah, I. Um, that's a great question, uh, Josh. There's a, a couple thoughts come to mind, or even a couple examples. I have. I know someone who, um, her, uh, there, there was a fam- family member who had COVID and uh, was isolated, had to stay at home, couldn't go out. Um, and so, um, you know, the, the the friend went to go uh, do some shopping uh, because this other person couldn't go to the store. And, you know, so she made a list and she says, you know, I need this from this store and this from that store. And, um, and so what could be seen as just... Um, Uh, a checkoff list. It's like, okay, well, I'm going to go do this. Let me go rush around and fill the fridge. Uh, Give me the list and I'll go get the things. Um, When she, she responded, you know, she says, I could taste the love in the shopping that you did. I could taste the love in the shopping that you did. So it wasn't like you're saying, Josh, it's not just writing a check and just sending it in. It's not just even going out and doing something, it's not just going and doing the shopping. Yeah, but I went to the, all these stores, I waited on all those lines. The, it's the way, Jesus is the, the way, the truth and the life. And so it's the way in which we care for each other, the way in which we care for each other, the way that we go shopping, that it was done with love. And when the person received those groceries, you know, maybe they were set out outside the door so they didn't they didn't even have that that personal encounter face to face but when the person received the the groceries and and the food that was within they could taste the love and so that's an invitation for me a reminder for me for all of us that the way in which we we actually we carry we hear in the scriptures we carry within these earthen vessels this beautiful treasure this dignity uh, within us. And so if we carry God within all of those, um, you know, the, the quote-unquote chores or, or the tasks that we have, it becomes more than a task. It's actually God's presence uh, within. And and the other one that really comes to mind is, is to bury the dead. And I know um, that this year, this pandemic has been, on, on one hand, there have been so many who have died, you know, I've I've lost someone just recently. I lost an uncle. It wasn't to COVID, uh, but it was an unexpected death. You know, others have lost family members to COVID or um, all the different complicating factors that go with it. But it's not just losing someone you love or, like you said, Josh, being able to go visit them in the hospital or, or not being able to. It's even burying them. You know, I know so often people aren't able to have a, a funeral or haven't been able to have a funeral or they have to wait here in California, you know, at the height of it, um, the pandemic, some people had to wait two or three months even to be able to have a funeral. But uh, again, with this corporal work of mercy, I think the, the burying it's, it's, it's about concluding life with, with love and dignity. And so it's being able to recognize and see each other with unveiled hearts, even if you're not able to be with them at their deathbed, that it's what's in our heart, that relationship, that life continues. And so there's there's not so much a, a burying someone as an unburying them. We're, we're un, unveiling the the heart. We're unveiling that that dignity and that presence of God within. And so it's there's a there's a revealing of, of God's presence even in the suffering, even in the conditions of the suffering we're in. And so that's a that's a corporal work of mercy that even when things are being stripped away and we may not be able to be with each other in the way that we'd like, well there's an unveiling, there's a there's a revealing that is helping helping us to see God that God is there even in, in the most difficult times.
0: Yeah, it, it makes me think of Mary Magdalene going to the tomb on Easter Sunday morning and, you know, her, her goal was to just go take care of the body of Jesus. They hadn't been able to do everything they wanted to do because of the Sabbath coming on so quickly there at the end of that Friday where Jesus was crucified. And she goes ahead and just says, No, I I love this person, I respect them. They have that dignity of course, we're talking about Jesus our Lord, but, you know, as, as you mentioned, uh, every time he mentions the, I was sick, I was in prison, I was hungry, uh, he personifies it there for us. So, our spiritual director today, Father Ethan Southerd, a priest in the Archdiocese of Los Angeles, we're talking about the corporal works of mercy, giving uh, food to the hungry, drink to the thirsty, clothing the naked, sheltering the homeless, visiting those sick and in prison, and burying the dead. How have you been able to live that out in your life? Uh, when have you had those opportunities to help someone else? And how did it impact your faith? You can give us a call, 888 914 9149. We'd love to hear your story, or maybe if you have a question about the corporal works of mercy. 888 914 9149. I'm Josh Raymond, and this is The Inner Life. More to come right after this. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the relevant radio studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit RelevantRadio.com Forrester.
1: Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life spiritual directors one 914 9149 That's one 914 9149 This is the Inner Life on Relevant Radio.
0: Welcome back. I'm Josh Raymond, along with our spiritual director, Father Ethan Southard, and he's a priest in the Archdiocese of Los Angeles parish administrator of St. John Ute's Catholic Church in Chapsworth, California, talking about the corporal works of mercy today, and how have you been able to practice those corporal works of mercy, helping those in need, uh, especially during a COVID world that we're in right now, uh, when you're not able to necessarily Get us up close and help those who might be in need, as you have in past years. Have you come up with any creative ways to help others? Uh, Might even be somebody in your community who lost a job, uh, you know, just needs a little bit of help on their way there. Uh, when have you had those opportunities to help someone? And how did it impact your faith life? How did it help you grow closer? Were you able to see the face of Jesus in those that you were helping? Uh, you can give us a call and share your story, 888 914 9149. That again is 888 914 9149. You can email us, life at relevantradio.com, or again, the phone number, 888 914 9149. Father Ethan, as we continue to look at these corporal works of mercy, uh, a lot of them seem to kind of tie together. And, you know, if you're going to feed somebody who's hungry, they're probably thirsty as well. And if they're struggling to have any extra clothes, you know, clothe the naked, uh, they might not have a home to live in. Um, they might have some sort of illness, sickness that they're dealing with. So a lot of these seem to tie together. But as we look at them, since there are seven different corporal works of mercy, is there one that maybe uh, stands out as being the lead corporal work that we should focus more on? Or uh, is it something where they're all kind of on equal footing because they do somewhat tie together?
2: Mm, that's a great question, Josh. Um, <clears throat> I think when we, we look at the corporal works of mercy, uh, and as you mentioned, you know, they're their connection with um, with the judgment of the nations, Matthew twenty five. Um, I think they're intimately, and, and may, maybe even fundamentally, united with the beatitudes in in chapter five. Um, so so I think that's the the place we start, even before we go and and we go do, you know one of one of the the works. Uh, the beatitudes start. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are they who mourn. Blessed are, are the meek. Blessed are the clean of heart. And so there's there's that that imitation with the Beatitudes for, for humility. And so we're being drawn, we're being kind of um, opened up in, in a way where kind of the engines that maybe we feel of, because sometimes I feel, I see so many things happening, you know, the hungry or the, the sick, or there's so much to do, and, you know, it almost feels like I have to go and, and go, and so much to do, let me go save the world. But I, I feel again and again that call to the Beatitudes, just to, to let, let that engine of, of going to do, that has to run out of gas. You know, one so of the—I'm
0: sorry, go ahead, Father.
2: Sure, yeah, just as that engine runs out of gas, and there's that humility— um, I, I think, you know, that starts to open up my own eyes. Um, and, and then I can start to see, okay, well, you know, well, what's right in front of me where, you know, is it, is it a hungry person or is it a, someone who's thirsty or naked or like you said, they're kind of all sometimes tied together. Um, you know, so maybe it's a homeless person. Um, but instead of me going and, and doing, um, that could be actually adding to their um their burden. I could be burdening them in instead of recognizing that, that beautiful dignity um that's that's actually uh within all of us. So yeah, I think the, the primacy is is just the, the clean of heart. Blessed are the clean of heart. Um because in God's light we see his light. And so whatever is in front of us I, I think is really where we can find that presence of God. All right. So, I, yeah, I, I think they're all interrelated, um, but they're they're related with with that um, that unveiling.
0: And so, as we look at those, and whether they are, you know, all tied up together in some of the work that we're doing, or if they're not, um, you know, if if. We're going to be helping somebody who doesn't have food right now, and we're we're helping give them a meal. Uh, we only have so many hours in the day, you know, as they say, the great equalizer twenty four hours in the day, and some of us also at different stages in our life, I know my wife and i we were in a small group with some people from our parish, and we have uh, nine children, and so they they range in age, obviously. Uh, but especially, this was a number of years ago, where our children were all fairly young, and they demanded a lot of our time. And so we said, "Oh, we feel like we should be doing more." There's just not enough time to do more. And there was an older couple there, and they said, "Oh, don't don't worry about it. You know, once your kids are grown, you'll actually have more time to be able to do those things that you want to do that are on your heart right now." And so as we look at different life circumstances cuz we can't we can't just ignore our families just to do corporal works of right. mercy you know i mean we we we're called to be a mother or a father a husband or a wife in whatever vocation we're in there um but is it okay then to just simply say, you know, I've only got this much time and I want to help those in need, so I'm really just going to kind of specialize my focus on this one or these two different areas of the corporal works of mercy, knowing that there are other people out there doing other works, uh, and knowing that I, I don't have enough time to do everything and help every single person. You know, there's, there's always going to be more people to help than I will have the capacity to help.
2: Mm. Wow, that's beautiful you you got such a beautiful family too wow nine children so you do have a lot <laughs> that's that's uh those are the works of mercy right there i think um you know as you're saying you know we don't necessarily have to to go out and and go do i think that could be a, a trap that we we fall into where we feel like we have to go out uh instead of recognizing the presence of god uh within and so even in your family you know, what a beautiful way, um, what a beautiful way to serve. You know, Christ doesn't look down on us, uh, but he looks at us as equals. And so he didn't come to be served, you know, but he came to serve. So he, so if anything, he looks up to us. And so, you know, as you're sharing, Josh, just with your family, with your children, with your, with your wife, um, you know, I think we can when we when we're speaking of the works of mercy or where we're you know, speaking about, you know, Matthew twenty five, we could see it right in our own families. We don't have to go, you know, going to go all around the world for these things. They're they're right in our midst. Or or maybe they're right in, in a place of where we work. You know, they there could be um you know, God doesn't treat us as things or as objects. Um and so as we're at work you know, we can just start to recognize that presence of of God within the person in the office next to us. And can we recognize the dignity? And maybe it means if they left a coffee mug in the sink, uh, we just wash the the coffee mug for them. And maybe they're doing it every day. (laughs) (laughs) It just really, really gets us. We're like, this guy never washes his coffee mug. (laughs) But we could, if if we actually have the love of God within our hearts, if that's burning, instead of it becoming a, a drag, it's like, oh, I, I can't wait to tell this guy off. No, it's it actually becomes like a joy. We're like, oh, yes, he left it again. Let me let me serve him. Let me let me offer this because it's it's actually God's own love that's mm. doing it. It's not a burden of right. me having to do and clean up after him.
0: Yeah, it also makes me think too of. If we have not taken the time to get to know the people that we work with, they have their own struggles, their own lives. You know, you don't know what's going on with their kid or their wife or their mom or dad or husband or, you know, whoever. And they might have a kid who's sick in the hospital. And so they're so distracted. They're not even thinking when they leave that coffee mug in the sink without washing it because their mind is so focused on other things that are, are happening in their lives. So I, I really like that, that example of, you know, just look for those little ways that you can help your neighbor there and, and work those works of mercy. Our spiritual director today, Father Ethan Southard, and the number you can call to join the conversation, 888-914-9149. Cynthia from Austin, Texas, is listening to The Inner Life here and want to welcome you to the program today. Hi, Cynthia.
3: Hi, thank you. Um, You guys have been saying so many beautiful things. I'm just sitting here nodding my head, but it's very nice to uh, visit with you guys. Um, Real quick, uh, one of the things that uh, I've been privileged to do recently is working with some non-Catholic pastors because we all work with uh, the homeless community. And uh, one of them goes to get food from one of the better grocery stores here in Austin that the food bank doesn't pick up. And uh, because they can't always pick up, so if we check with different grocery stores, we might find that we can go pick up food also. So then I load it up in my little pickup. I go to some apartment complexes that I know have uh, their lower income. There's a lot of immigrants there, people with a lot of kids. And I stand in the back of my pickup, and people come because they, they, I've already been doing that just for a little bit. And I also pass out Divine Mercy cards. And so it's also a great way to evangelize. And um, the second thing is through this weather crisis that we had recently. um, So we started working with uh, uh, non-Catholic pastors and other people, and it was such a beautiful thing. And the work was difficult for a couple of weeks. And I'll say that I think it really is the church that does the hard work, that does the nitty-gritty work. The city and the state officials really dragged their feet. they waited too long, and we kept waiting for shelters to open, shelters to open. So you have all these uh, communities and often organizations, people that love working with the homeless, getting people hotels, working together, trying to gather supplies. you know we knew ahead of time that the storm was coming, but of course it was much worse than anybody could have thought or imagined. And there was people that died, um, several people that died on the street that we know of. But all in that, it's also a great way to evangelize. I love working uh, thoughts of Christian unity with other denominations. But I always, my, my Catholicism just pours out of me sometimes. And uh, and I'm just really thrilled that um, God has called me to do mercy always, as he told St. Faustina. We are never to shrink away from mercy and and it was mercy that changed my life. It's mercy that will bring peace and mercy that will bring unity in our families and it's just so amazing and I and it's not me. I want to definitely shine the light on Jesus and his mercy, what he's doing and just how blessed we are to have something good happening and the last year of so much darkness and people that are living in fear. Um, I just love hearing the stories of what people are doing. And I don't want to take up too much of your time, but um, I just love this program. Josh, welcome to The Inner Life. Thank you. It keeps me encouraged and lifts me up. Father, thank you for for your ministry. God bless you guys. Thank you.
0: Uh, That's beautiful. Thank you, Cynthia. Yeah. Yeah, so many things that that just stood out to me as Cynthia was uh, just sharing her experience there father especially just acknowledging and knowing that, you know, uh, we've had that mercy in our own lives. It made me think of that famous quote, there but for the grace of God go I, you know, that that uh, everything that we receive from God is a gift. We're stewards of those gifts.
2: Mm. Yeah, absolutely and and Cynthia, thank you for your call and just, you know, for reminding us and um you know, I'm in California and we get some winds. We've had some winds recently, but, you know, just knowing the, the cold uh, and just the extreme weather that, that you've been through, you know, that we were, we've we started the show. We've been talking about suffering, just the suffering in so many different ways. And Cynthia, I, as you're sharing, I can just, you know, hear your heart burning with love. And you said something so beautiful. You said mercy uh, changed my life. And wow, I mean, I it, I could just feel from from your sharing, I don't know what it was, but it feels like that could be a whole other program too, <laughs> and and just that love of God, you know how he he changes us, and he helps he helps to unveil our hearts so that we can re- recognize the dignity that we have within us, and so that you know Cynthia, as you're sharing, you know just that unity, how you can you can just start to see the dignity within different denominations or how we're all, we're all in this together. And um, we were talking about Mary Magdalene earlier and, and just about how at first, you know, she didn't recognize Jesus she couldn't recognize him, but mm-hmm. her heart was being unveiled. And then she was actually able uh, to recognize him when he looked like a gardener and, right. so and then being able to recognize Jesus in, in the homeless and, and and then to be able to go and tell others
0: yeah well and and then she ends up immediately when she does recognize him Wants to cling to him, <laughs> and so I think that's a that might be a good point for us too. That you know we will develop those relationships with people that we help. Not not every time, but sometimes. Our spiritual director, Father Ethan, Ethan Southard, a priest in the Archdiocese of Los Angeles, we're talking about the corporal works of mercy. When have you had those opportunities to help someone, and how did it impact your faith life? Especially, how have you been able to? practice those corporal works of mercy help those in need during our covid world here the number to call 888-914-9149 to share your story 888-914-9149 you can email us inner life at relevant radio more to come right after this here on relevant radio
1: To the inner life on relevant radio you can like us on facebook and follow us on twitter at inner life show or email us inner at relevant this is the inner life on relevant radio
0: welcome back i'm josh Ring, along with our spiritual director father ethan southard and we're talking about the corporal works of mercy today if you'd like to join the program the phone number 888-914-9149 you can also email us InnerLife at com, And in fact, while I'm throwing out the email address there, if you have any topics that you think would be good for us to cover here, uh, different ideas on how we can address some of the different aspects of spiritual direction that we deal with on the inner life, I'd love to hear from you. Send us your ideas to that email address, InnerLife at Relevant Radio. Or you can get a hold of me through Twitter, our handle, show and you can uh, reach us there with your ideas. I want to say thanks also to Nick Schmitz and Jake Moore, who are helping behind the scenes here, making everything run extremely smooth. And uh, we want to be able to go back and look at these corporal works of mercy here again and uh, how we end uh, up—you know, one of the things that kind of struck me, Father— as we were talking uh, with the last caller, she ended up saying that her Catholicism pours out of me sometimes. That, that was her quote. My Catholicism pours out of me sometimes. But, uh, you know, one of the things that I liked was she's working with so many other people there in her community. And, you know, that that also takes me back to, of course, I'm a Catholic because I believe that the Catholic Church is the true Church, you know, that, that it has the fullness of the faith. But God is able to work through those ecumenical uh, bridges that we're able to work together and, and, and reach out. And it doesn't have to be just an exclusively Catholic ministry. Again, uh, I'm a big fan of the Catholic Church, that's why I'm Catholic, but it does allow us to, to have those inroads. And it might be a witness for somebody else to say, oh, well, what do you believe as a Catholic? And open some of those doors of conversation as you work with others. Um, we really kind of sometimes we'll shut ourselves off if we don't just say, God, where are you guiding, and and should I be open to your leading of how I can work with others?
2: Mm, Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, I'm reminded of Isaiah chapter 6, and and we hear that the earth is full of your glory. Lord, the earth is full of your glory. And so, you know, even in in the other denominations or, um, you know, all the... the the people throughout the whole world, you know, God is is present there. And so, you know, God bless Cynthia. You know, she's, her heart is so filled with that that love and and that decoder ring. (laughs) So she's able to recognize the the glory of God coming up within the others. And, And she can kind of cross over those things that divide. And so that's, yeah, Cynthia is amazing
0: let's go to julie she's listening in madison wisconsin hi julie welcome to the inner life today
4: hi josh thanks so much for carrying the torch from shock and carrying the show forward um i have a little story um back after the um shut down first happened i was invited by my neighbors down the hall to have social distancing dinners and it was a way for all of us to keep local restaurants going and you know just stay together i i've been feeling isolated and lonely and so it was a real gift um then in the last summer, at my church, St. Maria Garetti's here in Madison, uh, the priest came up with the idea, since there was no weekly collection to come in, to have a drive-through and tap. So there were some parishioners were food vendors, some were not. They invited food vendors to come into our parking lot, and we could all drive in, and we could all get meals. So I thought, well, that was one way to also you know, keep the church going from me and also have uh, thank my neighbors and just kind of... Get in the rotation there of um, ordering food. And it was, um, you know, what my way of thanking them, you know, because c- we all weren't going to the grocery store as much as we wanted to. And another neighbor put out a sign that said, you know, if you want me to run to the store for you for anything, he was able to do that for me. And so I was able to maybe leave notes of um, thanks at their doors and maybe get them bottles of wine. But it's just like, you know, God did show me, that I could give to my neighbors who had been so good to me. So I was really grateful that our church came up with that opportunity.
2: Mm. Wow, Julie, that's <laughs> that's beautiful. I love the idea of the, the food vendor meals um, and just being creative uh, in, in difficult situations uh, and being able to, to reach out across that divide of, you know, whether it's social distancing or, or whatever it is. Uh, may be that that divides i remember a, a friend of mine uh, we would usually get together once a week for a, a meal and then when you know the social distancing and here in california we couldn't um we couldn't even eat outdoors they were all shut down but we would we would get takeout and we would pull our cars up next to each other and roll the windows down <laughs> and and we would be able to talk to each other you know across the cars so finding that way, those different ways to connect, especially, you know, reaching out for those who may feel isolated and and lonely, uh, and and just being present, like you're saying, Julie, um, and and to to say, hey, you're not alone, you know, we're we're in this together.
0: That that's a big part of these corporal works of mercy. I mean, while there is some activity there, you know, feeding. Uh, the hungry, giving drink to the poor, um, you know, sheltering the homeless. There are those activities. But when you get to a a couple of them, visiting the sick or visiting the imprisoned, with those, it's not that you're necessarily going to be able to do anything other than just spend time with them. Just be there. Just be a friend, a voice that says, I'm here, and then be an ear to listen. Um, You know, I I know... Just from visiting other family members in nursing homes or assisted care facilities, there can be so many lonely hours there and sometimes you don 't need to say anything it 's just nice to have somebody there to just keep you company, even if you 're just watching television together um, that that um, that also makes me think of too that you know I think it was uh, Cynthia who ended up talking about how. It really slowed down the process when you had to deal with some of the bureaucracy of state or city, um, federal programs that are there. And there are some really good programs that are put in place in different communities by the different administrations, by the different uh, cities or states. But my experience has been, and I don't know what yours has been, Father, but that a lot of times when you look at those programs— it's the ones that are just more homegrown by people in their own communities seem to have the best, quickest, strongest effect in helping those in need. Mm.
2: Yeah, and and I know you know it's been difficult with hospitals and visiting uh, the sick uh, here in in Los Angeles, but I know that you know I've participated in in FaceTime or Zoom Zoom visits calls, and and actually been able to pray. Uh, with people you know virtually we couldn 't go into their room, but I know the nurses were were helping to facilitate that and I know you know some other people who whose uh, parents have uh, died and they weren't able to physically be there, but it's those other um, agencies that help to make the phone calls possible and and so it's uh, we even had you know with the visiting the convalescent homes we, we couldn't go in person, but a lot of our children in the schools, they would make cards, mm-hmm. make little homemade cards and just let them know that they're praying. And just, there's nothing better than seeing a uh, an elementary school child, you know, make color a, a card and it just brightens your day. So, you know, finding ways to to uh, to recognize and, and to connect, you know, Psalm 23 says the the Lord has prepared a feast in the midst of our struggles. And so even in, in the dark times, God is preparing this banquet for us. He's feeding us, uh, even in the midst of all the darkness that's around. And so it's being open to receive and then to to be able to share that. And and it's going to come up in different ways. Maybe it's making, making little cards to, to send to others or a phone call or um, <laughs> going back to the earlier one, washing a coffee mug. Uh-huh. Um, or, you know, I'm sure you pick up lots of toys for your kids, Josh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> or step on lots of toys as I'm walking through the halls or the living room. Our spiritual director, Father Ethan Southard, we're down to just a couple of seconds left here. Can I ask you for a quick blessing for all of our listeners today, Father? Sure.
2: The Lord be with you.
0: And with your spirit.
2: And may. And may Almighty God, who is mercy continue to fill you with his love as he prepares a feast in the midst of your struggles. And may God bless you the Father, the Son, and the Holy
0: Spirit. Amen. Amen. Alright, thank you Father Ethan for joining us today on The Inner Life. We have the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass coming up right after this and uh, that starts in about 30 seconds. Father Mark Malezova is our celebrant today and I hope you have a blessed rest of your Thursday. We'll see you tomorrow.